0: Thanks, sir. Good evening, church. Well, I don't know about accepting the call to preach. Um, I have had a calling on my life, um, and I don't know what that looks like yet. I'm still still searching. So I don't know whether it's pastoring, whether it's ministering, whether it's evangelism or what it is. But I do know that when God gives you um, a burden upon your heart or something, that you better answer the call. Because I remember sitting in those seats um, a couple months ago and, and watching Pastor Brian to think, how in the world could you ever speak? in front of a church like this and I'm so glad that I don't have to. Um, And then I answer the call that God places upon me and lo and behold here I am. So um, obviously I'm not Pastor Brian. I did however text Pastor Brian and told him to be praying for me as I'm pretty nervous about speaking at you know in front of his congregation and um, that I had big shoes to fill. So I send this text out and I'm thinking I'm anticipating this response right and it's I'm thinking there's going to be biblical counsel. There's going to be encouragement, and the only thing I get back is, "Yep, 14s." (laughs) So um, he he did, however, text me this afternoon and say that he was praying. So for those of you guys that don't know me, like Eric said, my name is Ryan Huff. uh, My wife Mandy, my daughter Macy, and my son Hayden. We've been attending the Nazarene since probably last December. Um, So I'm extremely excited. I'm humbled. Um, I'm very nervous to be speaking in front of. This congregation, so um, bear with me tonight as I get, as I speak to you. So, who's excited about being here tonight? Hey, that's good. See that that's good because I was honestly expecting a response that wasn't going to be of that magnitude. So, um, who's actually excited about the Chiefs winning today? Okay. Well, I, I am extremely excited, and I wasn't going to do this, but I seen Tony wore his jersey, so I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Because um, anybody excited about the Royals? Yeah. All right, that's good. That's good. Um, You know we can. I hear hear a boo out there. Was that Freeman? Who was that? (laughs) You know we can get excited about a sports team, and we can get excited about a sports event. We can even get excited about going deer hunting and killing these deer. And as I realized that last night, um, I had the opportunity to take my son Hayden hunting last night, and he harvested a six-point buck. So we're high-fiving and we're extremely excited about this. And as I'm sending this picture to 20 different recipients, I'm thinking, why in the world can we get so excited? About a deer. Why can we get so excited about a sports team that we will literally send that picture out or we will receive picture of people that has, has killed this huge bucks that we have no idea who they are, but we're constantly getting excited about those things. And how is it that we can't actually come into the holy presence of God and get excited about that? Get into the absolute presence of our savior. You see, I've been thinking about all these things lately that will drive eight hours or we'll drive countless hours to a ball game. We'll sit in sub-zero degree temperatures. We'll paint our faces, we'll clap our hands, we'll get excited, we'll shout, we'll praise, we'll yell and scream at the refs, but we can't get excited when we actually come in to holy ground. Pastor Jim was talking about that this morning. He's talking about this being actually holy and sacred ground that we come into the presence of God. And we can't get physically excited about that. You ever find yourself yelling at the TV, yelling at the refs on ball games? We give 100% of our effort to an event or a hobby and we let the outcome determine our emotions. In the case of cheese fans, I don't know if Craig Postle's in here tonight or not. Um, In the case of cheese fans, and for many of you out there, we cry an awful lot, don't we? We cry. We let that determine our emotion. I mean, we're putting our hope and we're putting our joy into a team that has not won a Super Bowl since 1969. So if we can still find ourselves getting excited week after week after week, whether the Chiefs are gonna win a game or not, why in the world can we not get excited about having an encounter with our Savior? It's because we're trying to find our joy in earthly things. And if you guys would, stand with me in honor of God's word tonight. And I said that about the Royals a while ago, and I know I think they play at 7.05, so I'll try to get you guys out of here. I think the Packers and the Broncos are playing, so I won't ramble on too awful long. We got time. (laughs) Uh, Let me read out of 1 Peter tonight, 1, um, 8 through 9. And it says this, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible joy, inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I pray right now, God, that this isn't just another Sunday night that we didn't just come to these doors and to this place tonight, Father God, just out of tradition, but that we came truly and wholeheartedly seeking you, God, to have an encounter with a living Savior. And Lord, I pray that you have your place tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that we are standing on your sacred and holy ground. And God, we invite your spirit in, God, like that song said, to be a consuming flood in this place. Lord, may we leave different than when we came in. May you have your way amongst your people tonight in your holy and precious and grateful name amen <clears throat> so we attend church every sunday to encounter god right i mean that's the reason that we come together for fellowship and that should excite us a little bit the fact that we are actually allowed to come into the presence of our savior and sometimes i think as a church we take that for granted it should stir our souls to the point of rejoicing because along, you know back in the old testament they couldn't just walk into the presence of our savior they couldn't just come to a church and encounter him the way that we can. And I think that we take that for granted a lot of times in churches across America today. You know, I was sitting here this morning and I'm, I was talking about, it should stir our soul to the point of rejoicing. We got here this morning and, and I watched Sean come up here and she did the one offering announcements. And I'm seeing this, this glow about her, this excitement that she has as she's speaking into to, to what the one offering is going for. And then Morgan gets up here and she's going on doing announcements and she's just, she's overflowing with excitement and she challenged us. Isn't that the reason that we're supposed to go door to doors to share the gospel? And I see the excitement that she portrays and that Sean portrays and they are exactly what God called us to be. They reflect exactly what we're supposed to look like. So we can show excitement and overwhelming emotion for the things of this world and the events that do absolutely nothing to impact our salvation. But when it comes to showing emotion or rejoicing for the one that gave everything he had for us, we have reservations. We worry about what others are gonna think. We're here to praise, we're here to worship, and we're here to rejoice. And rejoice means to feel or show that you are very happy about something, to give joy to or be delighted. The King James Version Dictionary describes it like this, joy and gladness in a high degree, to be exhilarated, with a lively, pleasurable sensation or to exalt. And I wonder how many churches today, if you walked into that church today across America, I wonder how many people can actually say when they left that church, that they seen somebody or they seen the congregation that was exhilarated and lively. Not just going through the emotions, not just going through the traditions and not just attending church to check a box but to literally come in here expecting to encounter God, to come in here to be excited about what God is gonna do in your life the moment that you step foot in these doors. Actually longing and being enthusiastic, enthusiastic to walk into his holy presence because we, are, we can do that. We can have that. We are to rejoice over who he is and what he's done for us. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And you see, Paul had to tell us that twice. He's continuing to tell us, rejoice in that. Don't lose sight of that. In the Greek, it means to literally, in the Greek, it means to delight in his grace, literally to experience the grace of God. And I look around and I see so many people, followers of Christ that don't comprehend that, or maybe they have comprehended it in the past and they've lost sight of it. We walk, we constantly walk around defeated, miserable, complaining, constantly groaning about our problems never satisfied walking around empty distracted without a purpose and without joy in matthew chapter 5 it says rejoice and be glad if we're constantly walking around griping always being negative and have no enthusiasm at all for our faith as a christian why in the world would a non-believer want to have any part of that they're already miserable So why would they want to add to that misery if if they see us acting in those ways? The word tells us to rejoice and be glad, to give an account for the hope that we have. The way that we live our lives is a direct reflection of our gratitude for his grace. I was thinking about that as I was trying to prepare this this evening. The way that we live our lives, the outpouring that we have within us is a direct reflection of how grateful we are for what he's done for us and the hope that we have in him. So why are we constantly battling the negativity and the problems? I believe church is because we put our happiness and our joy in the things of this world. We constantly try to satisfy with something that we'll never be able to satisfy. If I could just make more money, if I could just get that job, if I could just build a new house, if I could get a new car, a new gun, a new bow, if I could kill a big buck, if the Chiefs will just win this ball game. See, our scripture states that we are to have an inexpressible joy, even though we physically cannot see the one who our joy is in. But we love him and we believe in him and we are filled with a glorious joy that cannot be described. To be joyful of the hope that we have received by our faith, that our salvation is in him and that we will spend eternity with him. That is the reason that we're to be excited, church. We should walk around excited, excited, for the fact that we get an eternity and we have a savior that loves us so much that he died for us. But yet we come in here and we come in, we go into the world and we just live life. The expressions that we have, the joy that we portray should be a testimony to every single person out there. That's the reason we should be excited. You see, I had the opportunity to to, to lead Men's Encounter last weekend. And I had the absolutely amazing opportunity to pray the prayer of faith the prayer of salvation with six non-believers. I watched men, man after man, come up and rededicate his life to Christ. There was 15 men that took the step out in faith and publicly displayed what God had done in their life by baptism. They were laid down, the old was laid down and the new came in these 15 men's lives. And I don't say all this to boast or to brag because it's nothing to do with me. But I tell this because those men's lives are forever changed. Their eternity and their fate is forever sealed. Their joy is rooted in Christ and and where there was no hope before, those men have a hope now. They have something to look forward to, something to live for. There are no words literally to describe or express the joy that comes from knowing these men's faith is solidified. I have no words that can express that. No, No deer, no ball game, no circumstance of the world could ever describe what these men experienced by accepting Christ as their savior. That's all they had. That's all the hope that they were clinging to at that time. And for many of us, we've had that, we've had that in, our, in our past and we've done that and we've prayed that prayer and that hope that you felt, that joy that was inexpressible that you felt at that time that you accepted Christ as your savior, it kind of gets put on the back burner sometimes because we come into church and, and we've been in church for so long that we literally lose sight of that. And let the ways of the world come in and distract us and hinder us. Those men's faith are forever solidified for eternity. You see, inexpressible is defined as too strong to be described or conveyed into words. Something that is indescribable. That kind of joy that those men experience, that kind of joy that we have and should express as Christians, is unimaginable. It's unfathomable. It's indescribable. It's unspeakable. It is literally above words. You see, in order to make a light bulb work, it has to have electricity ran to it. That's how it was designed and created to function. And it will only work this way if it has the power source, if it has a source of power coming to it to make it illuminate. You take away that power source and the light goes out. The apostle Peter is saying, the only way that you can experience this inexpressible joy is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and the hope of eternal salvation. To be connected to the power source of Christ so that you will be illuminated and that, that joy that you express, that joy that you feel is so deeply enriched into the depths of your soul that there are literally no man-made words that can ever describe it. You see, I've struggled to even find the words that would effectively describe this joy as I'm preparing for the sermon. I literally have, don't have the words that could portray what Christ has done in our life and the hope that we have is literally indescribable. It's joy unspeakable. You see, when our hope and our joy is established and fixed upon the eternal, and when it's rooted in Christ, we will not long to carry out the desires of the flesh. We tend to think that our joy is determined by our circumstances, possessions, and achievements. And we do not realize that joy is, that we don't realize that joy is more than just an emotion that comes and goes. See, we, we had the opportunity to go to Houston, Texas um, a couple of years ago. My aunt and uncle are the directors of YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. And they have a, um, a ministry down in Houston, Texas on the streets of downtown Montrose. And they have a homeless outreach. So we go down there. We take, we've, we've been down there a couple of times. My family um, has been down there. I've taken some other groups with me. And we go down on the streets. And what they do is they go out and they earn the trust of these, of these homeless people, transvestites, drug queens, um, all these things. Drag queens, not drug queens. Drug dealers and drag queens, but they go out and they develop this relationship with these people, this this trust and this bond, and then they feed them um, physically, but they also feed them the word of God and they show love and they show compassion to them. So, so you know, we're growing in our walk and our faith, and I'm thinking we need to go down there on this mission trip. And I take my kids down there and, and my wife, and thinking we're going to go down there and bless somebody. Have you, how many of you guys have been on a mission trip? And 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 you go out and you think that you're going out to bless others, that you're going to go out to help others, and in return. You get blessed. And if you've never been on a mission trip, I challenge um, everyone in this room to go. But so we go out there and and we're praying in this park over these these homeless people. When we pulled up, there's literally, this park is completely empty. There's nobody there. And they see these vans pull up and these homeless people start coming out of the woods, literally out of the woods. Um, And so we start feeding them and we start ministering to them and we start praying for them. And I'll never forget, there was just one man that we, we were laying hands on and we were praying over um, and we got done praying. And he says, man, thank you so much. He's like, isn't God good? And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, God's amazing. But how, in your position, how, how can you say that? And he's, he's sitting there and he's thinking, he said, God is so amazing. He has blessed me so much. And in my mind, my selfish fleshly mind, I'm thinking, brother, you don't have a thing. You don't have a home, you don't have a coat, you don't have shoes on your feet and yet you're telling me that God is good and that God has blessed you? You don't have nothing. And God told me yes he does. He has everything. He has everything he's needed. His circumstances does not define who he is. The hope and the joy that this man had, the salvation that this man had in the eternal at the end of our faith, he knew that it was it was it was forever. And this man had everything that he needed. He didn't need the worldly possessions that we seek after each and every single day. This man had everything because he had Christ as a savior and that's all he needed. Trying to satisfy the flesh with what the world has to offer can satisfy temporarily and then it leaves you empty, longing for more. It's only when your hope and your happiness is found in Christ alone that it can truly fulfill. You see, First John two fifteen through 17 says, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, most of us define the worldliness by the possessions that we have, the position we hold, our desires, how our time is spent by what we do, the people we associate with, the vehicle we drive and so on. That's how we think that is defined. But worldliness can be hidden from within. It can be internally because it comes from within the heart. You see, we have this fleshly craving to gratify our physical desires. We have a craving to acquire everything we see And the world tells us to go get it and then make it so readily available that we strive to get it. We covet and accumulate things all the while bowing to the God of materialism. You see, we have obsessions with status and importance. We have pride in our self-achievements and by our possessions, the way we look, the vehicle we drive, the size of our house, the size of our church or our ministry, how many followers we have on social media, the size of the deer we kill, our hobbies, our occupation, and so on. The world tells us that we have to have these things in order to be happy, in order to be joyful. But God says, if you indulge in the ways of the world and what it has to offer, you have no part in me. Now, hear me out in this church. I'm not saying that all these things are sinful. Um, There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. There's nothing wrong with having desires. There's nothing wrong with with, um, doing these things. Nothing wrong with having a nice car, or a nice house, But when you put them before God and his plans, he's saying, you don't have no part of me. You become what you worship. Amen? You become what you worship. Whatever you long for, whatever your heart's desire is, is what you will become. If you're chasing the worldly possessions and the stature, you're gonna be like the world. The word says that these are fading away along with everything that people crave. He is saying, if you love what the world has to offer, the love of the Father is not in you. What the world world offers is fleeting and can never satisfy or fulfill. There will always be a constant longing for more. Therefore, your true joy can only be found in the hope that he gives us. It's not in hobbies, not in possessions, and not in achievements. Anything that you put before God is an idol. Anything that you think about more Then you think about God.